So there was a time in my life not too long ago, just in the past few years, where my husband, Brandon, and I made the decision to walk away from the faith tradition that we had known our entire lives, what we had grown up in. It was where we met. We met in our youth group. Many of the people who we knew were at our wedding. Um, This was the community that was a huge and important part of our lives. And recently, I asked Brandon, what is the scariest thing that you have ever done? And without missing a beat, he said, leaving our old church. And I hung on his words for just a second before realizing that he was absolutely right. I think that making that decision was possibly the scariest thing that I have ever done, too. And as as I was preparing for the message this morning, I've been reflecting on the past year of ministry and the challenges that come from entering into a pastoral ministry role, how I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I knew that God was calling And even though I was scared, I was confident of what God was calling me into. But to leave something that you have, that has been the foundation of your life, anything that you've ever known, to start asking questions that scare you, to lose these relationships, to realize that you are truly empty of yourself and you don't know anything for sure. That, my friends, is the scariest thing that I have ever done. So I ask you this morning to think of one of the scariest things that you have ever done or one of the scariest things that you're facing right now. What is a challenge that you have faced in your life that you knew that you couldn't avoid and you couldn't find your way out of? And what do you do when you feel like there is no way out? Let's pray this morning. Holy God, we empty ourselves of the burdens of life that we carried in with us this morning. We acknowledge the pain in our hearts and the challenges of life, and we put them all into your capable hands. We thank you, God, that we don't have to face any of life's challenges alone, but that you go before us and you walk beside us. We welcome the presence of your Holy Spirit moving in and through and around us, God. Prepare our hearts this morning to trust you and your presence and your provision. Amen. This whole month at Clay Church, we've been focusing on, the, on prayer and the powerful ways that prayer can break through the places in our lives when we feel like we're stuck or held back from the good that God intends for us. In the first week, Pastor Brian taught on the impact of praying not for our will, but for God's will to be done in each of our lives. We're invited to put our trust in God's hands and experience God's life-giving resurrection power. 
And that first week, we also learned the 812 prayer together. And then last week, we learned about how God is doing a new thing. And sometimes we don't know it. Sometimes we don't expect it. Sometimes we don't see how God can use us and our experiences to do a new thing. But God is giving us new life in Christ. And if you saw the title of the message this morning, Facing the Giant, you probably know what this lesson is going to be about. This is a story that even if you did not grow up in the church, it's probably a story that you know well, David and Goliath. This morning, we will dig into 1 Samuel chapter 17 to explore together how God's presence can give us the courage to break through life's obstacles. So let's explore the text together, beginning in verse 4. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg, leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Who was this man, Goliath? The scriptures tell us that he was a Philistine, meaning that he came from a group or a culture that was primarily built out of a professional military. They were professional military men, and Goliath was the best and the strongest man that the Philistine army had to offer in the whole group. David, meanwhile, was a shepherd boy. We'll get to verse 33 in a little bit, but in verse 33, Saul's response to David when he volunteers to go fight against Goliath is this, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, and he, Goliath, has been a man of war since his youth. David holds no power, he holds no authority, he does not instill fear in any of his enemies, he has no military background, in fact, he refused to even wear the battle garments that Saul provides for him because he's not used to wearing them. And Goliath is insulted by this when he sees David as his opponent. He essentially says, I am a mighty warrior. Is this a joke? 
Is this really the best that you have to offer? You are embarrassing yourselves. Has anyone in this room ever heard of strongman? There's a competition called the World's Strongest Man where men from all over the world will compete in these ridiculous feats of brute strength. They'll lift these atlas stones that are over 300 pounds. And as as you see in the picture, they'll take cars and lift them up on their backs through the sunroof and they'll walk with them on their backs across a field that's about 25 feet long. And they'll press a weight overhead that, that is, weighs anywhere from 220 pounds, which sounds heavy enough to me, but the really strong men will lift over 800 pounds over their heads. The men who compete in these competitions are giants. Most of them are over six feet tall and weigh in anywhere between 300 and 400 pounds, primarily of muscle. If you were to visit the World's Strongest Man website like I did, you would see a pop-up window that asks you if you want to learn more information about the World's Strongest Man competition. Now, I don't know if that means more information about being a spectator, or more information about competing in the World's Strongest Man competition. But when I think about the fact that I really like to work out and I enjoy lifting weights, I laugh when I even begin to imagine myself going up against a giant like them. A matchup of me versus them? Really a matchup of any of us versus them would be of ridiculous proportions. David wasn't simply the underdog. The matchup between David and Goliath was of ridiculous proportions. And some of the matchups that we face in our lives against our giants feel like they too are matchups of ridiculous proportions. So I ask you, what is the giant in your life? What is it that holds you back from finding the fulfillment of life and the joy and the goodness that God invites us into? What is it that robs you of the possibilities that God has called you to? The truth is that we all have obstacles in our lives that seem too big. We all have moments that feel overwhelming and hopeless. We have all faced times in our lives when we feel like we're losing. Whatever that giant is, a diagnosis, a challenging relationship, a life transition, whatever it is, facing our giants usually elicits these feelings of fear in us. Scripture says this too. In verses 10 and 11, we see that the Israelites are deeply troubled and terrified. Goliath says, I defy the armies of Israel today. 
Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Do you see the ways in which fear becomes contagious here? Not only is the army fearful, but even their leader Saul is fearful, and this starts to spread. The whole community becomes fearful. Fear becomes contagious as it spreads from person to person. And we see this in our lives too, right? In any crisis situation, there is undoubtedly fear and panic that finds a way to seep into each of our lives. When people begin to panic and that fear becomes contagious, others also begin to panic, sometimes without even knowing why. The University of Michigan published an article about the fear contagion in March 2020, just as the coronavirus was starting to spread across the globe. The author, Jacek Debeek, explained how fear surrounding COVID, the fear, spread even faster than the virus, partially because of the presence of media, this presence of fear. This is because our brains are hardwired to pick up on threats to our environment. Any minor change in smell, in sight, in sound sends a signal to our brains that something is not right. So at our core, biologically, fear is a tool for survival. So the, fear, the presence of fear and anxiety isn't always necessarily a bad thing, but the problem lies in our tendency to let it control us. In letting the giant keep us from living a life of fulfillment and joy. Breaking through the threat of our giants opens us up to experiencing the life that God calls us to. Breaking through the threat of our giants opens us up to experiencing the life that God calls us to. But how can we even begin to break through with these fears? How do we even begin to move past this alert system in our brains that tells us that we're in danger? How do we stand in confidence as we wait to meet and prepare to face our giants? I think the story of David and Goliath shares some wisdom about how we can begin to break through the fear that keeps us from facing our giants. 1 Samuel goes on, starting in verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheeps and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. 
I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. You see, David is distressed about this situation happening between his people and the Philistines, and he's also pretty disgusted with Goliath's attitude towards them and towards God. But did you notice that David didn't just go out to the battlefield alongside his brothers and wait around for something to happen? David simply continued to go about life as usual. David continued to work while he waited for God. And as David worked, we learned that he encountered lions and bears to fend off. Through David's experiences, God was preparing David to fight yet another beast in Goliath. In our own lives, relying on God and God's preparations allow us to break through our impossibilities. God is getting us ready for the moments that bring us face to face with our giants. God is using our lived experiences to prepare us to break through life's biggest obstacles. For me, when I was going through my personal faith reformation, I was terrified paralyzed even. I was fearful that I would never find a community in a church again. I was afraid that I had let everyone I had known down. I was afraid that my husband was worried about me, which I found out only recently that he was, in fact, deeply worried. And worst of all, I was afraid that God was mad at me for asking all of these questions and harboring all of these doubts. What I found instead, though, was just how rich my prayers became during that year of searching. It was one of the most continuously prayerful parts of my life, even though I was afraid of losing everything, what I found instead was a full and true relationship with God that is deep and assured that now I offer praise to God for sustaining me through that time of my life. And now, looking back, I can see the many ways in which God was preparing me through that lived experience through that giant, preparing me to be in community with and meet people who are asking the same types of questions that I was asking, preparing me to sit with people in the unknown and discomfort and not need nor demand answers to these questions. God was preparing me so that others won't have to feel the loneliness that I felt during that time of my life. 
preparing me by softening my heart and opening up my eyes to what is possible. And while I know little for sure, I am confident that God is not done using these experiences yet. And I am confident that God is not done using your experiences yet. So I ask you again, what are your giants? What situation do you need God to break through? I don't know what your giants are. I don't know what has you gripped and paralyzed by fear, but God knows, and if I know anything, it's that God is good, and God is trustworthy, and God will provide. God will use these experiences as we learn to rest in God's presence and in God's provision as we wait to find out what our giants will be, as we wait to meet our giants for the first time, and as we prepare to face our giants. Have faith that God is present. God is working in you, and God is preparing you. You see, any obstacle that we face, any challenge that seems too big, is an opportunity for us to lean in and trust God. In putting our confidence in God, we will be led beyond where we've ever thought possible. We'll be led beyond where we've ever imagined. The courage we need to break through life's biggest obstacles comes from trusting in God's presence. Did you happen to notice David's confidence in this story? Did you notice his astounding lack of fear? Listen again to verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. How is David's state of mind so different from the others around him? He fully relies on the God who sustains him. We don't need to be afraid of facing our giants when we are rooted in the presence of God. When we live a life that is deeply rooted in fear of our giants, many of us want to take control and fix our present circumstances, but... But when, when, when we have surrendered control over to the God who loves, to the God who provides, to the God who sustains, we can break through whatever obstacle holds us back. You see, fear is contagious, but so is peace. In that same University of Michigan article that I mentioned earlier, Dr. DeBeek goes on to say that the counter to fear in a crisis is a calm and confident presence. We know firsthand the way that fear spreads and paralyzes. That is, it paralyzes all but the one who answers. Putting our confidence in God gives us the courage we need to be the one who answers. 
There's a peace in knowing that God will sustain us, that God will provide for us, that God will defend us. And prayer is the thing that grounds us in this promise. When we have lost all control over whatever giant we are facing or whatever giant we will face, when we feel that fear creeping in, prayer is what we can do to break through our giants. See, the matchup between David and Goliath was of ridiculous proportions. But these ridiculous proportions were between a mighty Goliath and a mightier God. David's confidence is placed in God's divine hands. And we too can rest knowing that God will sustain and provide for us. We are, initi- we are invited into the confidence in God's victory as God is preparing us to overcome our giants. So this entire month at Clay Church, we have been praying this breakthrough prayer together, the 812 prayer. By now, it's been a few weeks, and you might have at least have the first line of the prayer memorized. Lord, break through all that holds us back. Lord, break through all that holds us back. Break through our giants. Break through our fear. Break through our situations and our challenges and our troubles. Break through so that we can begin to see a life beyond the doubt, beyond the diagnosis, beyond the difficult relationship, beyond the fear. Pull us from darkness. Pull us from darkness, whatever it may be. Pull us from the darkness of shame. Pull us from the darkness of fearfulness. Pull us from the darkness that grips us and convinces us that there is no way forward. Pull us from the darkness of our giants. Expand our vision. Expand our vision of ourselves. Expand our vision of ourselves as a community, as a church. Expand our vision of what the future can look like when we put our trust in God. God, open us up to the possibilities of what you have for us while we wait. I'd like to invite you all to stand. And as we prepare to respond this morning, Let's pray this 812 prayer together. Lord, break through all that holds us back. Pull us from darkness. Expand our vision. Light our way forward together. Amen.